Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 100 and... Hang on, hang on. Oh yeah, 152. I'm your host, Derek Moore. And this week, we'll talk a little bit about the... I'll call it a, a mini market meltdown. Uh, of course, most of the strategies that I and others talk about are hedged equity strategies. So for the core investments, for the core sort of uh, way of doing things, it's uh, it's not as big of a deal. But a lot of talk in the markets about there. Some people are referring to it as a tech wreck. We know that Netflix came out with earnings and the stock was down over 100 points the next day. They actually, Netflix is interesting. I think they met on the top line. So top line of the uh, the income statement is, is revenue and they beat expectations on the bottom line. But then I think they had guided much higher on their, the number of subscribers and they fell short there. And then I think they reissued guidance that was a little bit different. Look, I'm not an individual stock analyst, so I'll leave this up to other people. But certainly that stock was down quite a bit. And Netflix is one of the first companies that actually comes out with earnings of, of the big tech players. And some might argue that maybe they're not as important as the Apples, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, whoever else, NVIDIA. Videos up there too, but uh, certainly they that caused a stir. And then we had a, a few days in the market where even rally, all the rallies seemed to have gotten sold, meaning people came in and and you know a lot of times or more recently we've seen markets sell off and the the sell offs got got bought, meaning the, you know the market kind of bottomed and then came back up. In the last couple of days, we've seen some selling come in. And selling come in where I think the last four days, the S&P closed at the lows. So, But I think a lot of this has to do with the Federal Reserve meeting that's coming up January 25th, 26th. Of course, they meet for two days, but you don't really hear anything until the press conference. And it's, you know, there have been other Fed meetings that I think people anticipate. Uh, by the way, Wednesday is... Uh, January 26th. But it seems like this one, you know, the Fed minutes came out and, you know, I haven't even done, I haven't even gotten through my, uh, my intro where I usually kind of tick off what we're going to talk about, but let's just go right into it. Let's go right into the, the Fed stuff. So I think a lot of people were taken aback when the Fed minutes were released. And I did an episode, uh, there was two episodes ago. You can go back and listen to that. That was episode 150 titled Fed Minutes Worry the Market. And in those minutes, it just seemed like there was discussion about, hey, you know, if if we're going to be normalizing interest rates, and who knows what normal is. I mean, normal to me is more like 5%, not, hey, we're going to go from essentially 0% to, uh, to a quarter point. But there was, along with the normalization or the, the raising of interest rates, there was discussion about reducing the balance sheet. Remember, with the balance sheet, the Fed was easing. They were adding money every month where they were buying uh, a number of U.S. treasuries, the other part, MBS or mortgage-backed securities. And they were going to end that. 
but it didn't necessarily mean that they were going to let the any of the assets on the balance sheet run off. By running off means as bonds mature that the Fed is holding, they wouldn't replace those. So they were they're still going to be buying bonds unless they decide to let the balance sheet run off at some level. It doesn't mean they'll let all of it run off. And so that seemed to have taken people by surprise. Uh, we know that the inflation numbers have been higher, although, you know, interesting thing with inflation, although it was, I think, 6.92% year over year, meaning December of 2021 compared to December of 2020, which, of course, is your full year, 2021. And the expectation is the January numbers, when they're released in February, will also be, uh, I think, the expectations I've seen right around 6.9, maybe 7% annual, you know, year over year. I shouldn't say annualized. Uh, there was something, though, in the numbers. The rate of change, the monthly rate of change, was actually lower. So inflation still went up but the month over month was lower. So some people point to that. And it's all the, you know, a lot of the culprits, look, I mean, there's stuff that's going up all over the place. I, you know, washers and dryers, uh, household goods, men's suits. I mean, I, I, I didn't look at soup, but I could certainly, uh, you know, I could take a look at that. But then, you know, used cars, new cars, rental cars, Lodging away from home, you know, that's your uh, hotels and, and different things like that. So, you know, that, that stuff on a year-over-year basis was, was all up. But back to these, uh, to the Fed, I think one of the things the market is going to be looking for is a little bit more of a, and, and Powell will have this opportunity when he does the press conference, a little bit more of an opportunity to sort of outline this this uh, balance sheet runoff, if that's a if that's going to be a thing, and the other thing that they'll they'll do is I don't think anybody is anticipating a change in interest rates, and I think you know I've I've covered this before. You can uh, you can look at the CME probability. Uh, they call it the countdown to FOMC, the the uh, FedWatch tool, and. What that does is uh, based upon where the Fed funds futures are trading. So the Fed funds, uh, give you an example, I'm looking at the, the January contract that actually expires January 26th. Um, I don't, you know what, I'm sorry, it expires January 31st for meeting date, January 26th. So they, the way that they do these, they, the tabs up top, and I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, is you'll have the ability to uh, to see the meeting dates, but then you'll see more of the contract information. And the way that these trades, so uh, the mid-price last close, it was 99.92. The way you do that is you take 100 minus that the, the Fed Fund's future, and that's basically the, you know, the implied Fed Fund's rate which is what the Fed raises or lowers, among other things. And so 100 minus 99.92 is about 0 0.08 or uh, you know, eight basis points. And guess what? The Fed funds rate has the effective Fed funds rate has been right around five basis points. And their target right now is zero to 25 basis points. So 
So, and, and there's about a 95% prob probability that they will not raise at this meeting. I think that would surprise a lot of people. Although there's no shortage of, uh, I call them market pundits. Well, that's actually what they are. They come on CNBC, they come on Bloomberg, and they say, well, you know, maybe we'll see them at raise as early as January. Or, hey, you know, maybe they'll do a, a, a 50 basis point meaning two quarter point raises at the same time. Um, the Fed funds futures, the futures market is not expecting that. And then you go out to the meeting, the March 16th meeting. There is no meeting in February. And that one, so we are currently, remember, zero to 25 basis points. So zero to a quarter percent is the, the current target Fed funds rate. And... On that meeting, yeah, there's currently, uh, based upon what the futures price is, about an 88.7% probability that the target rate will go to, you know, be raised by one quarter point. So if you did that, the new target rate would be 25 to 50 basis points, so a quarter percent to a half percent. And one month ago, the probability was only 50%. So these do move. They move with the the winds of sort of the the popular opinion. They can change, uh, but this is what the the you know the market is expecting. Uh, there's no April meeting. There is a May meeting, and the May meeting has a about a 55 percent probability that rates would go up another quarter point. And if you assume that they'll raise in, in the March meeting a quarter point, there's about a 40% probability that they'll um, be right where they are. So it's still, it's not quite a 50-50. It's shading to another quarter point. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that's, uh, that's certain. So I bring this up because, and the Fed didn't used to do these press conferences. They didn't used to do them all the time. And... I mean, I, I think it was during the Greenspan era, I don't remember press conferences. They were pretty opaque, uh, not as much information. In fact, it, I find it interesting when, and I don't remember when it started, where not only the, the Fed chair, but the Fed governors, the different people, were actually making speeches and appearances as well. And I don't, you know, years ago, that really didn't happen. So this seems to be, uh, I think, tied to and by the way, it, everyone, you know, when the market moves in the end, it's supply and demand, it's buyers and sellers. That's who determines the price. It is what it is. And people's opinions and uh, everything that's going on guides their decisions. But in the end, it's buyers and sellers. Like everybody's selling a stock. Everyone's selling a stock. It's not going to go up. Even if the stock is theoretically worth X, you know, X number of dollars per share. So the market sometimes, uh, it's, it's a matter of more, more sellers than buyers. And I know that sounds weird to hear from somebody who does this professionally, but, uh, you know, I, I always point to the fact that there's a lot more volatility in the price of stocks and the price of markets than there is in the underlying earnings or cash flows of companies. Uh, so it kind of just goes to show you that, you know, people are buying and selling stuff and it's going up and down. But back, back to the Fed. Uh, 
so this is, you know, th these are, some of these are non-events. Um, I, I do think this one, because of the press conference and because of the Fed minutes, you're going to see, uh, you know, I think it's the market is a little wound up and they're wanting to see kind of what the Fed says. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And by the time you listen to this, I mean, there'll be a, a few days before it. And, you know, who, who knows, right? We don't predict markets. We just, we buy and we hedge. That's the whole game. It's uh, hedged equity is the core strategy that I always talk about. And that's why if markets do sell off materially, you've got a floor in the portfolio. Uh, and if they, if they go higher, then you capture the majority of the, the move. And that's, that's the, the goal, right? So, all right. So we talked a little bit about the Fed. The other thing I wanted to mention is, so, and, and we've been talking about this. We were on this early, the whole supply chain. And Jay and I, when we were on, and that was episode, I think we called that contrarian corner. Uh, that was episode 151, which was last week. We, we kind of tied the, you know, it's, it's pretty clear now. And, and we went through the, the aspects of, hey, was this a supply side problem all along? Was it a, a demand problem? And you can listen to that episode, but the idea is if you want to use an approach, you sort of, there's different approaches for each. And supply change, I know there was, uh, you know, some, some moves to ease the supply chain. And I saw something, in, I think it was in a Financial Times, that looking at all the, the time, between the ships that are out at, uh, you know, docked and the ones that are, they call them, I think the term is slow steaming. Like, all right, we're just going to slow down because if we use our same speed, we're just going to get there and wait. So I think, I think they're almost, uh, you know, other ways of counting. There's not just the ships that are docked there. I think I saw in the port of LA that was uh, at the highest point they've been. And again, that's a chart I saw in the FT, the Financial Times. So I thought that was interesting. And I think, you know, it's no secret there, there's supply chain issues. And we talked about those again. I go back to episode 151. You can hear uh, Jay and I really do a deep dive on, on inflation and, and the correlation, or at least the, uh, uh, it, you know, it's not totally correlated. It's just, um, there's, there's definitely some, some things where you look at delivery times and you look at inflation, but this, this seems to be, um, you know, a continuing issue. Now we got through the holiday period, which is, you know, obviously a big deal. And so th this is something I continue to watch. Um, now it's, it's in more of the, the mainstream than it was when we first brought it up on this show. So if you're listening, gosh, I mean, probably two years ago, two years ago, uh, two years, yeah, no, I guess a year and a half ago, probably, you know, third quarter of 2020, we started talking about it. But this is something that, you know, I go back to the Fed raising or lowering interest rates. I'm still not convinced that helps inflation. And the reason I'm not convinced is because of all the reasons I was just saying. You've got uh, a number of ships that are waiting. You've got some inefficiencies or some just challenges in different parts of the supply chain. 
And it seems to me those things need to get ironed out before, you know, anything else can happen. So one of the benefits of stocks moving lower, I mean, we were at all-time highs. Uh, the S&P, I think, has moved back off the all-time highs right around, is it 8%, 9%? I, sh- I really should have looked at that. I, I had it in my head. I just forgot it. But there is a positive, and that is, you know, earnings are still, and earnings estimates are still really good. Uh, we haven't seen any change in net profit margins for corporations. And a lot of people have been discussing valuation. And look, you, you've heard me talk about it. I think I did one, uh, I forget what I titled it. I, I guess I could look it up. Where I went back, I, I love using the the Google search function. You got to use it on a desktop. It's not available on a phone. Where you can type in, you know, market crash coming and say, hey, show me from January of 2013 to December of 2013. And you can see all those stories or, you know, if there's certain people who always predict crashes time and time again, you can Google their name, put in, you know, what you're looking for, put in, you know, S&P overvalued. And, and I'll, I say this because I've talked about it in the past. I think there's a lot of people who are always calling for the market's demise. And we know that to build wealth over time, it's time in the market that really matters. And of course, we, we uh, you know, support and we, we run hedged equity strategies. So, so it's not, not to say that the markets can't retract, they can't crash, they can't do all this stuff. It's just, it's really difficult to try and time these things. And being in this business for as long as I have, I can't tell you how often I see many of the same people making many of the same predictions and often, I mean, if you would have listened to them, uh, you would have, you know, missed out. Um, actually, we are, episode 149, uh, that was doom and gloom predictions are worthless. And you can listen to that. But recently I saw a few. One said, you know, the market was overvalued by 50%, is going to crash 45%. And I looked in, and the same person in 2013 when the S&P was around 1700 I think, so the market was 70, overvalued by 75%. So look, we, we really don't know what's going to happen with markets. But one of the things I would tell you is that, uh, besides going and listening to that, and by the way, if you want to hear a little more about hedged equity strategies and how we look at investing, uh, derek.more, D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at zegafinancial.com. Z is in zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple, uh, financial is up to you to spell correctly.com. And you can, uh, you know, drop me a line, drop me a line, by the way, if you want to know about how we invest or if you have comments or feedback on the podcast. Also, if you have any ideas for content, uh, a lot of the episodes that we've done and I've done, the ones I do solo have come from listener suggestions. So, uh, keep those coming. So, all right, back to the market. So the, one of the positive things too, and I, and I mentioned valuation and it got me off uh, thinking about, you know, all these predictions that come out again and again. We've been hearing for a long time by, you know, people going on TV that, hey, forward PEs, CAPE ratio, Schiller PE, they're all at really big numbers, all-time highs. 
one of the benefits of markets coming down is that the forward P.E. ratios, meaning what are stocks, the price divided by E, the earnings. And forward P.E. is the estimate of one year forward. So what are the analyst things? And by the way, analysts change things all the time. They can raise them. They can lower them. If they lowered estimates, the P.E. would go back up, assuming the price is the same. But, you know, the, uh, uh, with the markets retracing, the, the price, the forward price to earnings ratios have come back down. And by the way, all else equal, if you're assuming the same dividends or uh, the dividend yield goes up when prices go down. So it's this market that we've had, it's actually a little odd not to have 5% corrections or even 10% corrections. And if you look at a, a very long-term chart, you hardly see the corrections. If you look at a really long chart, you hardly see that 1987 even happened. And that was on a one, two, I think it was three days before it kind of bottomed. But, you know, that was the biggest drops, I think, in one-day history, right? Uh, although 1929 was much worse because that lasted a, a few years. But everyone remembers 87. Everyone, of course, remembers 2008, 2009. But markets uh, selling off, all else equal, and it usually never it is. Uh, but as long as earnings continue to be strong, uh, that's actually could be a, you know, a positive. And in the end, markets go up, markets go down. Depends on the buyers and sellers and mood, momentum, all that type of stuff. But Earnings have been strong. And we've mentioned before in 2021, when you look at earnings growth, earnings growth in 2021 is uh, about 34.5%. I'm looking at the JP Morgan numbers on their guide to the markets. If you haven't ever checked that out, I, I said this before, I, I think you can, uh, I'm not sure if you have to be, um, you know, with a firm or, or being in uh, uh finance circles to to get that but it's it's just a, a wealth of information the, the latest one they put out the daily one is like 71 pages so if you like markets and you like data and uh, you can have a chance to look at that it's it's well worth it but earnings growth was about 34 and a half percent now we're still getting earnings coming in that are Q4 remember you don't know the Q4 numbers until Q1 of this year. And so that, that will change. But the interesting thing, too, is the S&P was up 26.9% in 2021. Great year for stocks. And what's interesting is that multiple growth was negative, minus 7.6%. So remember, you can have price go up, and earnings stay the same. And that means what that is doing is it says the multiple is growing, the multiplier off the earnings. So when you say a stock multiple, it's the, it's the price to earnings ratio. So if stock's at $100 and earnings are $10 a share, you're trading at 10 times earnings. And of course, next year, one year forward is the estimate, and that's your, you're trading at a, a forward PE. But what happened last year was that multiple declined, and but earnings growth really drove most. It, it drove all the move. 
So I, I bring that up again because uh, multiples actually have, have shrunk and they've shrunk more because the markets have sold off. So in a roundabout way, that actually helps a little bit of the valuation. Now, again, I, I don't make market predictions. Get invested, uh, get some hedges, get some buffers in there because we never know what market's going to do. And the interesting thing too, and maybe we'll talk about this a little more next week, is the idea of the hedger's opportunity. The hedger's opportunity is if you avoid losses through hedging or you have hedges that go up when markets go down, you can reinvest the, the hedging profits or avoided losses when the market's lower. So maybe we'll save that for a, another episode. But I just wanted to, you know, I've been getting a number of questions. And I think right now, if you're sort of an armchair watcher of the markets, you're looking at the the Fed meeting, see what they say. Of course, you won't have the minutes until uh, the minutes don't come out. What are they, six, eight weeks, I think. But, you know, you'll get the minutes eventually. But I, I imagine that at the press conference, uh, they're going to be fully loaded with questions for uh, Chairman Powell. So I'll be watching that. And, you know, look, stay invested, stay hedged. With that, uh, we'll call it good. Thanks, everyone, for, uh, for listening. And remember, rather than wasting time starring and reviewing and sharing, oh, no, I do want you to share. But everyone always says on these podcasts, hey, go ahead and, uh, and go give us five stars. You can do that if you want. That's always nice. But I would rather you share these episodes with someone you think might enjoy it or even someone who maybe you don't think will enjoy it. Maybe they'll have a change of heart and they'll enjoy it. So... Please share these episodes, especially with people who, who've never listened to podcasts. I know, sir, you know, that might be hard to believe, but it's still an emerging media. And I think that uh, if by sharing it, not only this one, but some other ones, but share this one first, uh, that you're doing them a great service. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.